Good morning, Vineyard. How are we? It's good to see you all this morning. Uh, Nicole sends her apologies. She's um, our, our daughter, Sarah. Many of you know this morning was her first triathlon, and so she was like super pumped about that. But Nick, uh, Nick's there cheering her on this morning, and um, but she said to send her love to everyone, and uh, but uh, and also to say thank you for your uh, your concern and your prayers and your support. You guys are an amazing. Um, well, best thing to describe. This this is meant to be encouraging. What I'm going to say right now, you you guys are like a, um, a like a very important cog in a whole series of mechanisms, and that without you guys operating as the way that the Lord's called you to operate as a local fellowship of people that love Jesus, the rest of the mechanisms don't spin. But you guys are doing a great job of being who God's called us to be. And I just want to say thanks for the way that you continue to just be faithfully given to what Jesus is asking of you as individuals and of us as a church. It's, um, it's pretty amazing, to be honest. And um, the other thing is it's always good to get home. Um, there is no place like home. And uh, as good as... It is to go to other nations and places. Um, there really isn't anywhere like quite like Australia. We love this place. Um, for those of you who don't know, Nicole and I, we just spent um, uh, seven days in Nottingham in the UK with national directors that lead the vineyard movement from all over the world. I forget how many of us there were in the room there, but um, there's like 20 different nations and... Um, I forget how many different language groups in the room, and so we had all these interpreters interpreting and helping and helping. And so, you know, when we're breaking up into small groups and you're sitting with someone um, that's um, from Kenya and someone from Chile and someone from um, uh, the Netherlands and, uh, and, and, and you're all speaking different languages and you're coming from different cultural contexts, and you're all pursuing the same Jesus, it makes for some great conversation when you can understand each other. <laughs> but uh, it was a really rich time. And the Vineyard Movement, for those of you who don't know, there's now about 2,500 churches across the planet and planting strong, particularly um, in South America and in Africa right now, the Vineyard Movement is planting a lot of churches. And um, the churches that are struggling the most are the churches... In the West, in the West, here in Australia, uh, in, in, in the UK, in the United States, it, the West is where the church is struggling. In the developing nations, the church is just flourishing, flourishing. So it was wonderful to have the Kenyans lay hands on us and pray for us. It was wonderful to have the Chileans, uh, Chileans lay hands on us and, and prophesy over us the things of God, that what he's doing in their nations, he would do in our nation. So I was just like, yes, Lord, send it all our way. We want it all. We want it all for our country. But um, it was a great time, and so thanks for that. And then at the end of that, that week of meetings, Nicole and I pinched a week of annual leave, and um, we went driving around Ireland together for a week, and it was just wonderful. It was really wonderful to spend that time together. And um, we were celebrating our... That was how we celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary so it was a great time really great time 
we, um, we also managed to put on like a fair chunk of weight <laughs> that we're already working on, working off. And um, so, um, but we did love the everything that uh, that part of the world had to offer in terms of food and beer. It was very nice. Alrighty, listen this morning, let's, um, let's get into this and uh, I want to uh, begin a conversation with us over the next little while here at the Vineyard on, um, on vision. Um, but before I get into that, a scripture that came to me during worship was from 2 Timothy and, um, and, and Paul here is talking to Timothy and he's as he's always writing to Timothy, and as he's writing to Timothy, he's a young leader, and um, he's trying to figure out what it means to stay focused and lead God's people, and how to hold on to God's call in his life, and all of this. And it's interesting that in in to Timothy, Paul he he helps remind Timothy of the faith that was in his grandmother and his mother, and he and he refocuses Timothy on on that onto the faith of his grandmother and the faith of his mother and that Paul says now lives in him, in Timothy. And then he says to him, now I want to remind you to be busy about fanning into a flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of Paul's hands. Um, In other words, Timothy is probably going through a bit of a season of leadership and life where the flame and the fire and the presence and the calling and the vocations of God on his life were in, in some way um, pressured, hindered, or a little, you know, dialed down uh, in the context of it all, of, of living it all out. And then Paul says, hey, don't forget to fan that into a flame. And, and, and he says this, I like this, this is a bit that the Lord picked out for me this morning as we were worshipping. Verse 7, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid. Now, Gosh, if there's one thing right now that culture and context is trying to right across the world and particularly in the West is to make Christians timid about their love for Jesus and to make the church and the voice of the church timid. But that's not what we're about. We are not a timid people. And Paul was reminding Timothy about that. And he says, remember this, Timothy, God has given you a spirit of love, of self-discipline, of self-discipline and of power when you're confronting issues that want to make tell you to be timid and be quiet. So I just want to encourage you. I think the Holy Spirit this morning is encouraging us to lean into the faith of our forefathers and to actively engage in leaning into the spirit of the living God. So that where you and I are feeling like we're being pushed into a corner or we're being told to be quiet or we're feeling it's, it's, out of, it's out of order for us to somehow be glad and joyous about sharing our life of God with others, then lean into the power and the love and the self-discipline of the Holy Spirit. He wants to uh, fan that stuff back into flame again. Um, recently... While we were traveling, I was listening to a, um, his name's Noel, and Noel, uh, he lives in Nepal, he lives, he's based in Kathmandu, and um, we're just about to release a whole nation of vineyard churches through Kathmandu, uh, in, in Nepal, 
And um, in, this, in the last, I think, oh gosh, they had an earthquake maybe not quite five years ago. And there was a whole bunch of resources from vineyard churches all around the world that got immobilized and sent to Noel and um, the Nepalese people. And as a result of all of that, they've, they've seen a massive sweep of the Holy Spirit go through, through um, that whole region. And now there's about 5,000 people in the last number of years who have been swept up into this move of God and they're all part of the vineyard movement. And they're all planting churches all over the hilltops, all through the Himalayas, all through the Himalayas, all through the Himalayas. God is moving. And as, as Noel was um, sharing his story at this church service we went to, he was talking about how um, someone was, uh, who, he was, who he had asked to come to his country to work with him um, on the way as they were leaving the country, that person stopped when they saw a, um, a beggar at the airport, at the front door of the airport. And that person stopped there and they reached over and they just held this, this pauper, this poor man, and, um, and just held him and held him and held him. And Noel struggled with that. Because Noel was looking at one of his own people being hugged. But what he was struggling with was the stench of the person... He was struggling with the poverty of the person. And as this, um, as this missions guy was holding on to this guy, he said to him, he said, come on, Noel, come on over here and hug him and hold him and, ex- and share the love of God with him. Don't do, don't do your acts of righteousness at the poor. Walk with the poor. And, I, and I, as he was sharing that, I was just, it was kind of like a... You know, the loving knife of God just went through my heart. It was like, just, just opened me up again. You know, how often we, we find ourselves doing this Jesus thing at people. At people, as if they, they, they need what we have. Well, yes, they do, but it's not at people, it's with people that God's inviting us to do this thing called the kingdom of God. And I was reminded of that as I was listening to Noel, and as I was listening to him, I was in the I was kind of like, have you ever been sitting and listening to someone and then all of a sudden it's like you find yourself, it probably happens to you most Sundays when you listen to me, you actually find yourself not listening to what the person up the front is actually saying, but you find yourself in another conversation somewhere, either with God or with yourself or, you know, with your thought life or whatever. Well, I found myself in one of those spaces and um, I was having this kind of, this conversation with the Lord. And the Lord, as I was, I was listening to Noel, and then I found myself <laughs> awakened up to um, this sense of vision. What's who's beeping? One double eight IHP. It's a Lexus. It's cream. Does anyone own one of them? No. It's probably from down the street at the triathlon going on down the street. So you're just going to have to put up with it. Sorry, folks. Um, you're going to have to focus yourselves a little more. Um, as, as, I was, as, as I was listening to Noel, I was having this conversation with God at the same time. And it was like all of a sudden he brought back to me what I'd been carrying for the last 13 years. You know, and I was like, God, all of a sudden I was being revisited with what, the very thing that God asked me to carry 13 years ago. 
and this sense of vision that he'd placed on my life, both personally and for us as a people here at the Vineyard. Um, Some of you may have heard this. Many of you maybe have not, but let me share this with you. On the day that uh, Nicole and I, 13 years ago, um, started to lead here at Vineyard Pine Rivers, Jesus interrupted our life with a vision. And, And that vision was this. We saw ourselves following Jesus and we saw ourselves following him up a mountain. And as we went up this mountain, we knew without a doubt that this mountain, it was the kingdom of God. And we were following Jesus all the way up to the top. And as we got to the top, we surveyed this very vast expanse that was at the top of this mountain. So I'm kind of like having a conversation and a vision with Jesus at the same time, eh? okay? And so um, he showed us this vast expanse of scenery. And there was different groups of people all over this mountaintop. And it went as far as the eye could see. And as I was surveying the mountaintop and all of the different groups of people, I noticed in the distance there was a group of people that were working and tending a vineyard, a literal vineyard. And somehow I knew that amongst all of the different groups of people, all over the vast expanse of God's kingdom, I somehow knew that that group of people, that was us. That was our people that were on this mountaintop in the kingdom of God. And so as I took a bit more attention, focusing in on that group of people who were working in that vineyard, they were doing all sorts of things. There was, they were tilling the ground. Some were planting. Some were... Um, trimming vines, some were harvesting grapes and some were stomping, in the, stomping on the grapes in big wooden vats and, um, and there was lots of laughter and joy going on as people were in particularly jumping on, on the grapes. There was a lot of laughter with that. And as that was happening, I was, I was really aware that there was people there of every age and every stage of life. There wasn't just one particular group of society that was there on that vineyard that day. They were people of every age and every stage of life. And they were all working alongside each other. And there was a great sense of love one for the other, as well as this great sense of, hey, we are on the mountain of God and we get to do this in his presence. Now, as I was looking at the... um, the people that were jumping around in the vat on the, on the grapes, I noticed that at the bottom of the, the big wooden vat, there was a small little crack, just a small one. And out of the, the bottom of that, that vat was this little trickle of grape juice that was coming out down the bottom of that vat. And as it was started to come out, I noticed that it got a little bit bigger and a little bit wider and a little bit more. And then all of a sudden I noticed as I followed it with my eye, it went down the other side of this mountain and it found itself all the way, going all the way down the mountain so that by the time it got to the bottom of the mountain, it was like a a raging river. So it was wide, it was deep, it was raging and it was just this, all this juice and wine and stuff that was coming out of this... um, this vat that was on on top of of this mountain in the presence of God. And as I I noticed um, that 
as I was looking down the mountain and as the river went out into the sort of into the earth, I noticed a whole group of people run to that river, just run to that river. And they, they threw themselves down at the edge of the river. Some people jumped into the river. Some people went swimming in the river. People were just lying at the edge of the river, just drinking with their hands. And they were drinking with their hands. And I said to Jesus, I said, Jesus, what is that? And he said to me, Kirk, that meaning that river. He said, Kirk, that's my mercy. That's my mercy. It's coming out of who you people are. It's my mercy. I went, oh, wow, that's so amazing, Lord. And, um, and I knew that the, there was this massive sense of scale about what was taking place, that out of this little vat that was producing just this little trickle of wine, it somehow in the economy of God became this massive torrent of God's mercy and there was 10,000 people drinking from that, that, th- drinking from that river that I could see. Now, as, they were, as all these people were drinking and enjoying the presence of, of that, um, that river of wine and life that was theirs, um, all of a sudden I noticed that from the top of the mountain, this cloud of presence went out from the top of the mountain and it went across where all the people were drinking from this river. And as, as they were drinking from this river, I know the, the cloud opened up and it just started raining, raining, raining. And it was, it was just, um, it, it was more like red wine kind of rain. It was just rain. And all of the people just that, that were there drinking, they lifted their heads and they looked to this cloud and it was like it was just washing, washing over their faces. It was like it was, it was cleansing them and it was healing them. It was, it was giving them life. And, and I said, Lord, what's that? He said, that's even more of my mercy as if you could have enough. It's even more of my mercy. And then I saw this cloud begin to move back over the, the top of the mountain or the, pre- the kingdom of God. And with that, all of these people just followed this river of God's presence back up the mountain and into his presence. Thirteen years ago, Jesus gave that encounter to me. 13 years, that very um, moment of vision and encounter with Jesus has been informing everything about what I do for 13 years. And it's been very much a case of what we have been on about here at the vineyard at Pine Rivers. Now, there's been a lot of things and a lot of uh, that have come along the way that have sought to want to take away from what Jesus wants this place to be about. But there was two simple things that Jesus asked me in that vision. And he said these things to me. He said, the first thing is, Kirk, I want you to stay close to me. And the second is, I want you to keep up with me. Stay close and keep up. They were the... They were the two simple instructions that Jesus gave me to following this sense of vision that he had shown me. You know, disciples of of Jesus are people who have vision. And this morning, I want us to just spend a little bit of time thinking about how we're going in that department as individuals, primarily, 
but also for us as a life of the local church. How are we going with living from a place of vision that God has given us? I was struck with the intensity of that, that vision again just as I was listening to Noel um, that, um, the, other, the other day as I was in church with him and he was teaching. But, um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm like always pressing God for like something new. Always pressing him for something. Like, God, what's the next? Give me something more. Give me, this, give me that. Give me this. And I've got to tell you that the thing that breaks me up the most and, and undoes me the most in the presence of God is when he always brings me back to what he's always called me for. And it fills me with life. And it fills me with passion. And it fills me with purpose. And it fills me with a sense of his spirit leading me again. Great sense of renewal. I kind of wonder, well, maybe I haven't fulfilled, the, I haven't seen the fulfillment of the very thing that you've asked me to carry. And that's why I'm still carrying it. Friends, I wonder how many times you and I may have along the way, because maybe we haven't seen the fulfillment or that sense of, man, it hasn't unfolded yet to the degree that I would like it to have unfolded, the visions of God for my life. Have we surrendered them or walked away from them or tried to find something else because that one hasn't happened for us? When God in his goodness and his kindness has asked us to carry something very, very important to his heart and to your life, for the greater well-being of people around you. How many times have we been so quick as to just surrender it away? Um, if, you haven't, um, if you've got a Bible with you, I want you to open it up to Luke. And in Luke chapter 10, there's a story there I'm going to read to you in a moment about a tax collector. And um, he has a great encounter with Jesus. But before I get there, King Solomon, he, he once said it like this. Uh, depending on the version of the Bible that you read, um, it's often it's quoted as where there is no vision, the people perish. Um, the NIV puts it like this, where there is no revelation or vision of God, people cast off restraint. Um, basically what he's referring back to there is a story in the Old Testament where um, God's people were at the mountain actually waiting for instruction from Moses who'd gone to the top of the mountain to get God's purposes and plans and bring it back to the people because the people said, we don't really want you, God. We want an intermediary, so we'll send Moses. As much as that broke the heart of God, um, God did give vision and purpose to Moses. But in the absence of Moses being up the mountain for a while, what happened was the people decided... Well, listen, let's just take all our jewellery and gold and let's melt it and make it into idols and let's bow down to it and let's start having all sorts of unrestrained life. <laughs> and it just went crazy. Because So when King Solomon is saying where there is no vision or where there is no revelation for people's lives, it's not like they'll just go along with anything. It's actually you will choose to actively engage in building for yourself whatever idol you want and you'll bow down to it and you'll give your life to it and your time, your energy and resources. Such is the nature of your life. 
Very, very challenging. But that was King Solomon's take on it, that where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint, vision, mental sight, a dream, a revelation. And, and where there is none of that, you are released from the protective restraints that actually come from that revelation at the same time. See, God wanted to bless and prosper and, and do all of those things and bring people into a land of milk and honey when it came to Moses and the, and the, and the crew, but in the absence of vision, the people perish. Open your Bible, Luke chapter no, oh, sorry, 19. Did I say 19? 10. Oh, good, you listen to me. Okay, Luke 19, 1 to 10. Luke 19, 1 to 10. Let's read that. If you haven't got a Bible, it's on the screen. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, uh, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. And so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. And when he reached the spot, that is when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, Come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and he welcomed him gladly. And all the people saw this and they began to mutter, He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the Lord, so this is now in his, in his house, he stood up and he said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor and if I've cheated anyone out of anything, I'll pay them back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man, he too, is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save that which is lost. Zacchaeus is a great illustration of a person who has his own vision on life and what it should be like. The problem was it was at the expense of the poor. It was at the expense of the poor and it was all about cheating people for his own comfort. In other words, he saw people as a means to his own end. And so that was the problem for Zacchaeus and his vision of life. But at the same time, there was obviously something compelling about the reality of Jesus that he wanted to see Jesus. He wanted to have a visual of who Jesus was. But being a short man, he couldn't. And so what did he do? Well, he actually then went and found a tree and climbed up it so that he could see Jesus. Now, Zacchaeus is a really good illustration on, on what it looks like or the place of spiritual hunger in our life. And when we have spiritual hunger in our life, one of the fruits or the telltale signs that you're starting to get hungry for God is you will do whatever it takes to get into the presence of seeing God. That's what spiritually hungry people do. They will do whatever it takes to get into the presence of seeing God. And so the flick side of that is if you are not hungry and pursuing to be in the presence and see God and see a vision of God for who he is and your life, then you are spiritually um, dying inside. But you could be like Zacchaeus. You could be dying on the inside and yet somehow find yourself in an environment where you look around yourself and you see other people who are going, no, nah, I am not going to give myself to dying any longer 
I want to see God. And so Zacchaeus went and hung around with people who wanted to see God. This is a really important point. And it's one that you need to really heed when it comes to walking every day with God and with a life of vision and purpose. It's really important to hang around with. If you feel like you're dying on the inside and you feel you're lacking for vision and you feel that you've got this constraint of the best thing that you can give your life to is the stuff that you want to make it all about yourself, but you desperately want to break out of that and give yourself to something that is worth so much more, then the, one of the keys is you need to begin to posture yourself and position yourself and hang around with and walk with people who are spiritually hungry. That is the gift of the church to the world. To, a, to, to people that are dead and dying, they're looking for people who will be spiritually hungry. That's where you and I come in. But if we're dying on the inside, then we too need to position and posture ourselves around people who do have vision for Jesus, who do have love for Jesus, who do have life, who do have joy, who do have a sense of the power of the Holy Spirit, who live with hope and no longer choose cynicism. That's the people of Jesus. That's the role of the church. That's the people that we are. So that when those who are spiritually dying and those who are wanting to be to grow in their hunger for something real, they can come and hang around people just like you. Just like you. Because God's with you. God's in you. Get around people who are reading the Bible if you're not passionate about the Bible. Hook up with people who do love reading the Bible. See, life begets life. What you hang around, you become. In the absence of Jesus, the Bible, the Holy Spirit, pursuing community with God's people. In the absence of all of that, it's not like your life won't be, will be empty. It will get filled. It will get filled with everything other than Jesus, hunger for the Bible, hunger for signs and wonders, hunger to see people come to Christ. When it comes to reigniting kingdom vision and having spiritual hunger in your life, Zacchaeus is a great illustration. He is a great illustration of someone who obviously found himself dying on the inside while he had all the creature comforts and the posture of position that society gave him and that he did at the expense of the broken and the poor. Even so, he gave himself to being around people who were hungry to see God. If I was to ask you a question this morning, just this is just between you and the Lord. How would you scale your sense of spiritual hunger this morning? Just, just let's say between 1 and 10, 1 being really low and 10 being like full on, I'm on fire, don't hold me back. I've come to stomp on the head of the devil. I'm going to heal every sick person I see today. Don't stop me speaking in tongues, whatever you do, and I'm going to fan this gift into a flame and I'm going to live with true, true passion. So you've got 1 or 10. Just between you and the Lord, scale that. Honestly. Honestly. Just take a moment and answer that question for yourself. What are the current barriers that you are finding yourself that are contending and robbing and stealing your life with God, your vision and his vision and purpose for your life? What are the spiritual contests that you're fighting right now? Pay attention to them. Jesus wants to show you through them. 
So Zacchaeus has this great encounter with Jesus and Jesus stops and then says, I see your hunger, I see it, and I'm going to come and fellowship with you. And Zacchaeus's life is literally turned inside out and he's given a whole new life. Now the Apostle Paul, if you know anything about his story, while he was still Saul, so Saul, the man breathing murderous threats against anyone that loved Jesus, Saul tearing around killing Christians and trying to shut the church down wherever he could, that's Saul. Well, he was riding on his horse and on, in, on, his, on a road to Damascus, and he gets struck. He gets struck by a visitation of Jesus, so much so that he literally goes physically blind for a while. So overwhelmingly powerful is the reality of Jesus. He gets struck blind, and then he, ha- then he goes and spends time with um, Ananias and, or, or, or some people, and then Ananias goes and lays hands on him and heals him. And if, you can read about that in Acts chapter 9. But the bottom line is, at, at the end of that encounter, or series of encounters, that Saul, the murderer of all Christians, has these Jesus encounters, and then this is what happens. After many days had gone by, um, oh, hang on, let me say, Saul spent several days, oh, I'm gonna, no, I'm going to back up a bit more, Ananias went to, to the house Ended it, placed his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road that you, when you were coming here has sent me to you that you might see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes. He could see again. He got up and was baptized. In other words, he was making a public declaration of an internal reality that his life had been, had, he'd taken away his own sense of lordship for his life surrendered that to Jesus, let Jesus Christ be, a, be his Lord. He says, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples, and at once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. Now that freaked out the society. It freaked out the Christian community that God could actually transform a person in such a quick time from this to that. And yet that is what happened in, for Saul. All of those who heard him were astonished and said, hang on a minute, isn't this the guy who raised havoc in Jerusalem amongst anyone who called on the name of Jesus? And hasn't he come here to take us as prisoners to the chief priests? So even the Christians are freaking out about this, this guy. And yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ. So by this time, Saul is now becoming Paul as we know him. So he has these massive encounters with, with Jesus. He, he, he gets a whole new vision of life. Let me read, let, let, listen to Paul's words. Colossians 1, 17. This is the picture of the Jesus that Paul has had an encounter with and now his life is being authored by. He's the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. He's before everything and in him everything holds together. He's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he will be the supreme one. 
For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood on the cross. That's who Jesus is. That's the Jesus that Paul met. That's the Jesus who's driving Paul's life. That's the Jesus whose love and vision and purposes for Paul's life has completely transformed this man. And it's interesting, if you read down a little bit further at the end of verse 33, it's this Jesus, it says, that I, Paul, have become a servant of. Vision-filled kingdom players and people have a vision of Jesus and they are so, so willing to serve him and his vision. Paul has surrendered his vision of life for the vision of Jesus. Such was the impact. Now, but let's go back to Zacchaeus just briefly. What happened to Zacchaeus? Well, Zacchaeus meets, he sees Jesus and Jesus sees him. They go and they fellowship together, and then we see these strange phrases that were recorded. The first phrase is this. Zacchaeus says, look, Lord. That's interesting, because before Zacchaeus met Jesus, Zacchaeus was Lord. Zacchaeus was Lord, but now Jesus is Lord. Zacchaeus has made a a transformation in his life that says, I'm no longer the king. Jesus is, and he gave his throne to Jesus, and Jesus now owns that place. This is what happens when people meet Jesus and begin to become consumed with Jesus' vision for life. It's about his lordship. And it's interesting as well, he also says, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. The here and now, it's not then and whensome. It's like here and now. When the kingdom of God, when a revelation of Jesus comes to people, it has here and now implications. Here and now. Like before you even leave this room today, here and now. Implications. That's, that's the inbreaking of, of Jesus' kingdom. The, the impact of the future rule and reign and the hope of God is crashing into Zacchaeus right here and now. And that's happening to you and I as you're sitting in this room. And look at the transformation of what's taking place once he's given his life over to the lordship of Jesus because Jesus is obviously so overwhelming and so compelling that right here and now, the implication for Zacchaeus is, oh my God, I've been cheating the poor. And he says, enough Enough! Here and now, I am liquidating half of my asset base. Now, it says very clearly in the scripture, he was a tax collector. He was the chief tax collector. He was a wealthy man. Now, I can't scale that up for you in terms of what that might actually look like here and now, but someone of great material wealth at the expense of others. And he says, right here and now, I am liquidating half of that asset base for the sake of the poor. Who would do such a thing? I mean, who would do that? Who would liquidate their asset base for the sake of the poor? Who have up until that point 
been a, a, a source of income, a source of, you know, propping up his lifestyle. Well, that's what you do when you meet someone like Jesus. No ask is too big. No ask is too big. He says, I'm going to liquidate half of my assets. He became a man who had a heart for the poor and a social concern for the well-being of others. And then he says, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay them back four times the amount. In other words, he wanted to not only liquidate half of his assets and give to the poor because he knew he had been living off their poverty, making his life comfortable, he also then goes, if I've cheated anyone, I want to compensate. I want to make everything wrong right. This is what Jesus does when he touches people's lives. This is what the kingdom of God does as it breaks in over you and me. In Jesus, that you and I are in a relationship with, he is so powerfully compelling that he, he, he invites us to live with his vision, his purposes, his passions. His kingdom agenda, his goodness, his faithfulness, his power, so that we, like Paul and Zacchaeus, might be able to stand before, before him and before others and say, it is you who I have become a servant of. I live for you, Jesus. I'm living for you. King Solomon once said that the king... Oh, sorry. Let me pull this one back here. King Solomon, back down the bottom there, he said, I, he wrote down this, I, being God, love those who love me and those who seek me find me. Just like Zacchaeus, who, who had this hunger to somehow see God, in the midst of that seeking of God, God found Zacchaeus. He didn't miss Zacchaeus and God won't miss you. God will not miss your seeking him. He will come to that tree that you're in and he will stop and he will look up at that tree and he will say, today I'm coming to your house. But, but be warned. Be fair warned. Be fair warned that if Jesus comes to your house today, if Jesus comes to your house today, you too, might find yourself saying, look, Lord, here and now. And your life is turned inside out because you begin to live for him. You will be found by God even in your seeking of him. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, is like a pearl merchant looking for fine pearls. And when he found one of great value, he went and sold everything he had and he brought it. I often find myself wondering in times where vision is weak and I often ask myself and I ask the Lord, Lord, what are the other pearls that I've brought into my life to replace you as the fine pearl who gives me life? What are the pearls that I've brought into my life that have replaced you as the only fine pearl that gives me life. You know, this year, God is inviting us to be his disciples. Every person that gets up here and speaks and the messages they bring, 
They're bringing all about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. But this morning, I want to ask us, as followers of Jesus, do you have vision? Do you have vision for your life? How is your spiritual hunger? Do you actually want to see Jesus? The impact of seeing him is here and now implications. And it will turn our lives inside out. But finally, we live for the greater glory of God, for the well-being of others, and for our joy in partnering with God in all of this. And for those of us this morning who are seeking God, I want to encourage you, Jesus is about to pull up at your tree today. He's about to pull up at your tree. Whatever it is that you're seeking him for. Let's stand, let's pray. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Jesus, would you walk among us right now, I pray. Holy Spirit, help us to see Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. More, Lord. More, Lord. That's it. That's it. Bring that, bring that scale that you had that conversation with the Lord about before on your spiritual hunger. Present, just present that to him. Lord, this is as hungry as I am today. He'll meet you right there. He'll meet you right there. Come, Holy Spirit, bring an increase, I pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This morning, I really want to pray for folk who are right now in this moment, in their honesty, in their honesty with Jesus, are saying, Jesus, be my vision. Jesus, be my vision. Everything else, um, I just give it away and I want you to be my vision, Jesus. I want you to be my king. I want you to be my Lord. I want to live under the power of your goodness and your faithfulness and kindness. I want to live under the vision of your kingdom. 
for my life. Just come, come up the front. Just come up the front, right? Just come on up the front in the here and now. And let, let's, let's just, the, the Holy Spirit just wants to fan that reality into flame for you this morning. Just, just come on up. Just come on up. Just come on up. Some of us that are here right now, it's like, I feel like there's conversation going on here where Jesus is saying, you know what, I've, I asked you to carry this vision for me quite a while ago. And he's not angry, he's not cranky, he's not any of that. He's just asking, would you carry it for him again? Would you let him bring that back to you again? And would you carry it for him, be a carrier of his kingdom vision that he has coming out of his heart for your life to partner with him. There's some of that going on for some of you. Just welcome. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We welcome that conversation. We welcome that conversation. And for some of us right here up the front, Holy Spirit, right now, I pray for a revelation of Jesus. A revelation of Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. That's it. More. More power here, Holy Spirit. More power here, Holy Spirit. Let your, you, let your power and your increased capacity just come upon us. That's it. More. Just receive more. There's more there. Just receive more. That's it. More. More, God. Just Increase the spiritual hunger and appetite in the room right now, God. More. Bring more. More, God. That's it. More. That's it. More, God. More. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Just bring more. Fan into flame the gifts of God. Fan into flame the visions and the the passions and purposes of God. Just fan it into flame, God. By the power of your spirit, come, Lord, more, more, that's it, more, more. It's getting a bit hot up here, more, more, that's it, Adam, more. Thank you, Lord, more, just bring more. That's it, more, that's it, Leanne, more, that's it, that's it, more. Let the power of the Holy Spirit just fan into flame now the reality of Jesus. More, that's it, Leanne, more. Thank you, Holy Spirit, more. Thank you, Holy Spirit. More. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. More, Lord. More, Lord. Just fully, fully, just bring a revelation of Jesus. That's it. Thank you, Holy Spirit. More. More. Just more. Just more. Thank you, Lord. More. That's it. More. More. And in the name of Jesus, every cultural demonic spirit that floats about in our land right now in every political and media stream that right now wants to make you a timid people. I break the power of that in Jesus' name off your life. You have been called by the Lord Jesus to be life and light and freedom and joy and life to a world that's dying under its own wisdom. Come, Holy Spirit. Let the power of the kingdom invade us In such a way, Lord, come, let the timidity be gone. Let faithfulness and joy and 
and the inheritance of the kingdom of God be ours. In Jesus' name, we want to walk in the power of it. Be healed in Jesus' name. Come, Lord, more, more. Thank you, Holy Spirit, more. Thank you, Holy Spirit, more. We ask for breakthroughs, Lord, in our, in our lives, Lord, that would just testify to Jesus, that would show the world Jesus, would show people Jesus. We pray for family and friends who are hard-hearted and rebellious and really cranky. We, we pray that the story of Saul would, would break through in Jesus' name and hard-hearted, rebellious children and young people and old people and cynical people who've had a gut full of everything in, in, because of pain and the work of the enemy, we just pray, Lord Jesus, it would break, break off them and break through with your kingdom. Come on, Lord. Come on, Lord. Our world needs you, Lord. Our families need you. Our workplaces need you. Our children need you. We need you, Lord. More than anything, more than anything that we could muster up, our politicians and our leaders, they need you, Jesus. Break through, Jesus. Break through, Jesus. Let the gifts of the Spirit come alive in your people, I pray again, Holy Spirit. More, Lord, more. Oh, Lord, for the poor. We want the poor. We want the poor because you want the poor, Lord. And we don't want to do stuff at them. We want to walk life with them. We want to see them know your goodness, Lord. We want to see Jesus made alive in every single one of them. Lord, thank you for the hundreds and hundreds of people that walk through our Mercy Center doors every year, every week. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you that we get to serve your kingdom purpose in their life. That's it. More, 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 Tim. More, mate. Just more, God. That's it. That's it, more. Let faith rise in our people. Let boldness rise in them. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. More, Lord, just more. More, God. That's it, Lord. More, more, more. More, God, more. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Bring more. That's it, bring more. Hey, do some of you folks just want to, that, that aren't praying, just come on up the front and join in here and help help us out just pray with with those that are up the front here and put your hand on where you see god moving and just bless it and say god could you do some more of that just do more of that whatever it is you're doing thank you but more just do more lord that's it more god thank you lord thank you lord thank you lord thank you lord more